Makers of Sport Podcast, episode 57 with Ashley Strauss. Welcome to episode 57 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. So recently, I had the opportunity to go down to Starkville, Mississippi, to spend time with Mississippi State Athletics, touring their facilities, experiencing some of the great food in Starkville, and watching uh, Kentucky, the University of Kentucky, take on Mississippi State in a football game in Davis Wade Stadium. I felt sort of like a, uh, a much uglier version of Kirk Herbstreet roaming a college town for, for game day. Even though I had a blast, the real reason why I went down there was to interview the talented Ashley Strauss. Ashley is the Mississippi State Athletics Director of Creative Services. So I, I got the opportunity to interview Ashley live and in person in her office on game day. So pretty cool after taking a tour of the facilities. I also had a chance to talk to Mississippi State's Senior Associate Athletic Director of External Affairs, Scott Weatherby, about the role of branding in the athletic department and then more specifically, their interactions with Adidas. Uh, Mississippi State is one of Adidas's premier schools in terms of marketing as it regards to baseball. They're, they're a big-time baseball school there. That audio bit I will include in this interview, so stay tuned. Um, in the meantime, this is my interview with Ashley Strauss. It's game day here in Starkville, Mississippi, and, and I think there's definitely no better feeling than being on a college campus, specifically in the South, on game day. I'm sitting here with Ashley Strauss, Mississippi State's first ever Director of Creative Services. Welcome to this podcast, Ashley. Thanks. I'm glad to actually have you in town. Um, we had a lot of fun yesterday. I know the office was a little crazy and not the typical environment where you normally do these, so it was kind of kind of funny how we kept getting interrupted because it was just the hectic day before game day, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys here. I can't wait for you guys to experience David Wade Stadium or Davis Wade Stadium tonight. Yeah, it's, we, we actually we put a sign on the door that said podcast in progress, and I think it just made everything worse because people just <laughs> tended to like take that as an opportunity to sort of like poke fun at you and like wave at you and that type of thing. Yeah, I saw a few people like giving thumbs up and running by and making faces and just totally would just start laughing or, you know, losing your train of thought. But, you know, that's what makes this environment fun. We're all really close, so... You know, it's 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 a lot of fun here, and we we do a lot of cool stuff. So the other night when we first got in, you you took us to a great local speakeasy called the Guest Room, and we had some uh, some nice Kentucky bourbon drinks. I have to emphasize the Kentucky there, obviously. Um, about sort of how close knit the sports design community is on Twitter. You know, we all tend to direct message each other, interact with each other, have conversations, share pain points, network, that type of thing. But for maybe those that listen to this podcast that may not know who you are, why don't you kind of give us a little bit more of your background and uh, kind of tell us your path leading up to Starkville? 
I grew up in Trenton, Michigan, which is a metro Detroit area. Ended up going to school at Eastern Michigan University. Uh, didn't know really what I was going to major in. Uh, intended to major in Spanish, and then after about a semester, kind of changed my mind on that and uh, fell into graphic design. Always had an interest in art. Took art classes in in high school, um, and I was always really you know handy with a computer. So I decided to investigate graphic design and fell in love with it after my first class and graduated with my degree in design. And then after that, didn't really know how I was going to use that in my career. Um, and so I actually coached softball at Eastern for two years before uh, somebody from the media relations department actually approached me and asked if I wanted to be a graduate assistant and work in the media relations department. And he he asked you know about my design background and Wanted to know if I'd be interested in, you know, making media guides and splash pages and just various projects, and uh, I was totally into it. So, uh, started as a GA, and then after two years, got my master's in in sport management, and then it was kind of like, okay, where am I going to go from here? Uh, Ended up going to Indiana University, and there I was director of publications and assistant director of media relations. So I still did like the SID duties and traveled with teams and dealt with the media, but then I also worked with publications. So, you know, designing the media guides, postseason covers, uh, meeting with different print vendors, working with bids and prepping files for printers and things like that. And after about two and a half years, I decided that I really wanted to focus more on design. And I had the opportunity to move into the creative services role where I was essentially the in-house designer for media relations and then we had another full-time designer who uh, did a lot of the marketing materials. And I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and then the opportunity at Mississippi State opened up. And when I was researching, you know, they had the number one team in the country. Uh, and it kind of seemed like a really cool opportunity to step in and help with that brand and kind of, you know, promote it at a national stage now that they're getting national attention. And so that was the football team was the number one team in the country at the time when you applied? Yes. And, you know, baseball had come off a really good season where they were runner-up in the World Series. And, um, you know, SEC softball, being a, having a softball background, just knowing all of the greats that came out of that conference and being able to be a part of that, you know, seemed, seemed like it could be a lot of potential, a lot of fun. So uh, moved here in January. Um, it was a brand new position, so obviously there were a lot of obstacles and a lot of question marks in terms of the role and maybe what the expectations were, and it was more of a, a learn-as-we-go kind of thing. Um, and I think the first, the first goal we had was just to create a consistent visual identity for the department, you know, whether it be uh, digitally, so social media or video, or in print, or you know, maybe just the tone that we have um, on our on our media accounts, and that was kind of the first step was creating that consistency. And then from there, once we did establish kind of a visual a visual uh, identity, then we started to push boundaries and try to think of more creative ways to to engage our fans and to promote the brand. And we're kind of we're still in the middle of that. I mean, we've we've done so many cool and unique things here at Mississippi State, even before I got here. Um, and I credit that to our athletic director, Scott Strickland. He he has a media background, so he's big on social media. He loves fan engagement. And he's always thinking of new, innovative ways 
to engage with our fans and for them to to interact with each other. Um, and, you know, that really promotes a very open and creative environment for us. And I'm blessed to work alongside a lot of uh, colleagues who also are always looking for ways to improve you know, our brand and how, and how our fans interact with us and in the kind of content we're giving them. And it's a lot of fun to work in that. Uh, we're building up, we're building this department, you know, slowly, but surely. And we just added a video department about a year, year and a half ago. We just hired a staff photographer. So the pieces are starting to be put in place and I'm really excited to see where, where this department goes in the future. Very cool. Um, so I definitely want to get into some of the branding stuff and, and then uh, some of your superiors' impact on branding and their, sort of their focus and attention to branding. But uh, how, how's a Michigan Yankee like yourself adjusting to life in a small, uh, you know, this is a college town. It's a small town. It's not really like a, a big major city. So how's, and you come from like the Detroit sort of area suburbs. So how's that adjustment for you coming down here? I think at first, you know, being from Metro Detroit, you could essentially drive a mile in any direction and have access to so many different things. And moving here, that was the biggest difference. But in reality, if you think about it, how many times do you really need access to all of that stuff? So, you know, the cool thing about living in a small town is that everybody, it feels, you really feel like you're part of a family. And we harp on that all the time with our athletic department and with our fans. Um, you know, I'm really close with my colleagues. We have a lot of fun together. Uh, our fans really rally behind our athletic teams because, you know, that's that's kind of the the life force of this town. And, you know, it makes it a lot of fun. People are so invested in what we're doing and, you know, really supportive and, you know, whether we win or lose, our fans are there. And it's just a really cool experience to see how much this town really loves Bulldogs athletics. So kind of veering off from that, obviously we discussed Starkville being a, uh, a bit of inspiration for you and, and the creativity that kind of feeds into it. But your track in designing for sports is not necessarily a traditional one. And I guess, um, you know, maybe a traditional one would be someone gets a degree in graphic design, then comes and works in an athletic department as a graphic designer or, or agency or whatever. Um, where, But yours, you sort of came from playing Division One softball, coaching softball, and then moving into the sports information role before veering back over into, as you were mentioning, the, the path of your undergraduate degree in graphic design. So I'm curious, how would you say that those previous experiences and those other roles in sports would, how do they influence your work today? Well, I think first off, they provide a better understanding of how a department works within itself. Like, how do the coaches interact with media relations? How does the media interact with the athletic department? How do we react? How do we interact with with our student athletes? Um, and I think that that helps better prepare you in terms of you know understanding the type of time someone may have to talk to you or the sensitivity of information. Um, you know how to communicate with a lot of different people. And then the other thing too. Um, on a side note, I think that not having the typical path can kind of show how if something doesn't work out how you intended, 
that doesn't mean that you're never going to end up doing what you want. You know, I wanted to be a designer, but I wasn't sure how to make that happen. And I had an opportunity to work in media relations, which ended up being a blessing in disguise because I wouldn't be where I am today without that opportunity. I was able to network and meet people that helped me help put me in this position where I am now. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of times the the people just getting into sport design think, okay, if I don't work for a division one school or a pro team right away, then, you know, I'm never going to get there. And I think that that just shows that, you know, you may end up working at a, a t-shirt shop or interning for something that may not even be related to sports, but getting that real world information and meeting people and networking, you never know what's going to happen. So I think just not being discouraged by opportunities, not working out the way that you intended them to at the start, and then also just making the best of your situation and continuously working to get to your goal. But back to back to how that kind of helps with this job, I think just being familiar with the culture of college athletics from every aspect, whether you're a fan or a student athlete or a coach, or you're working the sideline, just having an opportunity to see how all of that operates kind of opens up ideas and different maybe perceptions of different audiences and depending on who the viewer is can be valuable when you're when you're brainstorming and thinking of ideas for marketing campaigns or anything else that you know somebody like in my role would be would be working or associated with so i mean i think it's interesting that you mention the like a designer or a creative person that's wanting to immediately jump right into division one athletics and uh you i know that you listened to the episode with alex mount um and she's great designer great great person um but we sort of had a similar conversation in that we we tend to put all this pressure on ourselves to be at the top of your game like early especially millennials millennials just like want everything really fast you know and I think if you look at these other generations, it's taken them a long time to get to places. And our, and our careers are a very long thing. So just because the media is pushing people like Mark Zuckerberg or some 18-year-old that raises $30 million in funding for some app or whatever, it doesn't mean that – I mean, those are anomalies. It doesn't mean that we should already be there. So it's all about sort of like working and continuing to network and that type of thing. I think another thing that's interesting is um, – the whole Division One athletics thing, there, there's a lot of things that are subjective. And putting pressure on yourself to go work in Division One athletics, you might not even like Division One athletics if you come work in, in D1 as just like a regular person. It's not for everybody. Um, I know an athletic director who is a very talented and innovative person that I worked with on a branding project. And she she used to work in Division One athletics, but she absolutely loves Division Three athletics. And that's... That's her thing. You know, that's what's for her. So I think that we also need to kind of quit putting pressure on ourselves to kind of get into like a D1. There's nothing wrong with working for like D2 schools and D3 schools. I love mid-major athletics, especially mid-major basketball, being a, a Kentucky, a Kentuckian, and then also having went to a mid-major school in Eastern Kentucky University. But I think kind of just to veer off that, but sort of stay in the same realm, one thing that through your experiences in these other areas that I think you've been able to develop is a sense of empathy, which I think is a very good thing for designers to have. Um, in, in the user experience world, and especially like the tech startup world, empathy is very important. Um, it's a very important skill to develop. Uh, you want to be able to just understand your quote unquote user. So like in your sense, 
understand what the fan's perspective is, right? Or understand if it's something for an athlete, understand what the athlete's perspective is, what the coach's perspective is, what maybe a casual fan's perspective is. So in your opinion, how important to, to your current role is empathy in creating for sports and then maybe someone that hasn't had those flexible experiences that you've had in regards to this this particular niche how can they develop a sense of empathy themselves for like their own clients or their own people that they're creating for i think that understanding the demands from each different position within the athletic department is helpful because you may spend hours on a project or days or weeks and then something happens and you're, you know, say somebody becomes injured or transfers or other issues and all of a sudden you, what you've created cannot be used. And to understand that what a media relations, a person like an SID would be going through dealing with something like that, you know, you can't take it personally because they're not, you know, saying, oh, this is garbage, we can't use it. It's just understanding that this is an unpredictable world. You don't know what's going to come down the road um, or be put on your desk to, to create or what's going to be scratched off the list. So you just, you know, having that understanding that you have to be able to adapt to change. Um, and then if you haven't had the experience in working um, with different areas within an athletics department, I think just, you know, opening up a discussion with other people and maybe under trying to understand their roles and what they do, um, you know, seeing what their day-to-day is like. You know, a lot of times people don't understand, especially in media relations, and, you know, I give credit to our staff because they probably work the longest hours out of most people. They travel with teams. Um, just getting to know what other roles in the department do. And then, you know, the student-athlete, you don't understand, you know, understanding the, the media scrutiny that they may be under or you not being able to go to the grocery store without getting asked for autographs and things that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Now, I never had that problem. I just want to throw that out there. I could go grocery shopping and <laughs> no one would know, but, you know, somebody, you know, like a star football player or baseball player or basketball player, you know, they there's things you don't think of that happen within athletics. And I think just trying to understand that everybody's role is different and again it goes back to communication getting to know who you're working with and I think that that would be a huge asset to have as a designer aside from you know your 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 talent or your skills well I think it's interesting that you mention sort of sharing stuff with your your coworkers and and the people that you're collaborating with in-house in the department and they might say we can't use this this doesn't work and really understanding that because they say that, it doesn't mean that you're a bad creative, right? And I think that's something that in sports is really hard because a lot of times we designers tend to be very emotional uh, and in sense of uh, a lot of times designers tend to be um, introverts or the, and they put a lot of passion into their work and they almost it almost becomes like the work is them. So like when you trash the work, you're trashing them. And for maybe people that work in marketing or in sales, they're not, they don't view it like that. They view it as what are the objectives of the thing. And they, t- they tend to approach things from a more objective lens. Maybe sometimes they can be subjective, in which case we can also be subjective and argue which is better. Um, but I think when you get too attached to your work, you really have to understand that, when, that people aren't trashing your work, so to speak. They just maybe can't articulate 
they're not articulating well enough what they mean. So, I mean, I just had an example recently where uh, it was like, I don't like this this poster maybe in comparison to that poster. But the reality is, is they didn't, they didn't, they weren't meaning that they didn't like it because they didn't literally like the design that I was a bad designer. Basically after having a conversation with them and really trying to kind of get to the bottom of what that means, it's that literally something simple like, Oh, there isn't enough brand color on this one that was on the other one. And it's literally like that tiny thing had nothing to do with the fact that they thought the design was bad. You just have to kind of understand that. Have you found that to be true as well? Definitely. Um, You know, when you're more of a creative thinker, you think differently than somebody else who's maybe trying to market a product or the language you use is a lot different. And sometimes there's a disconnect when you're trying to conversate about what what you're trying to accomplish. Um, But, you know, as a designer, when you're working on things, you have to remember that you are solving a problem for communication. What are you trying to communicate? You know, is this going to benefit your brand? Is this going to serve the purpose? And a lot of times you could create this beautiful piece of work, but if it doesn't accomplish what what the, you know, somebody was intending to do, then it's not going to be um, a successful design. Um, and I think that that's something we just had to remember that you could create a masterpiece, but if it doesn't serve the purpose, then it's not going to help help your brand out. So just being able to understand what the intent is 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 huge. Cool. So to kind of change paths here, uh, we're sitting here in your office, and I'm looking at your Dak Prescott vector illustration. And I think that one thing that you do pretty well is is you experiment and you try to execute things that are maybe outside the norm for you. Uh, and, and obviously, for example, the Dak Prescott illustration, vector illustration is, is one of those where uh, typically in sports design, you tend to see very heavy Photoshop stuff, a lot of texture, a lot of things like that. You don't see a whole lot of these vector illustrations. I remember we had a, a conversation through direct message on Twitter, which we tend to do a lot, and that sort of just goes back to the testament of how close you can become with people in this industry and sort of bouncing ideas back and forth. But I remember you feeling sort of frustrated with it, and, and you ended up doing a really good job on it, especially, I mean, the tattoo is just is ridiculous. Like, the, to, to, to illustrate that, that's insane. But what there's something about pushing yourself to do something that you're not comfortable with. What is it about pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone that is appealing to you? And how would you say that that affects you as a creative person in terms of growth? Well, you know, being the only full-time designer in the athletic department, there are going to be times when they're going to need help with logos and in kind of vector work. And I don't feel as comfortable in the vector realm as I do, you know, with like Photoshop or raster images. So I wanted to kind of build up that skill set to prepare myself down the road if, if something should arise. And, you know, as a creative, I feel like you should never be complacent. We always continue to grow and learn. You know, I'm not saying you have to go read a ton of books, but maybe try a new style or a new technique that you've never done before or totally create something that looks like nothing in your portfolio. And I think that that, even though it may not be successful or you may make a lot of mistakes, you may learn something or pick up something that you could utilize down the road. And I think that just staying educated and, you know, 
keeping up with how technology is evolving and how you can use design within those areas, I think is a, is a huge part of growing as a professional, especially, you know, if you're working in a college athletic atmosphere. And would you say that when creating these things, for example, when you first start experimenting with something, it's, it's probably, it might not be that good. Right. And you have to kind of push yourself and continue to push yourself. Is there a similarity having played division one sports? Would you say there's a similarity in sort of mentally preparing and, and maybe mentally and possibly physically as an athlete? Cause the creative process can sometimes be a physical thing. Like it, man, our mental, pain manifests itself in a physical form. <laughs> but would you say that there's uh is there any crossover between the two? You know, preparing mentally and physically as a D1 athlete and then pushing yourself outside your limits as a creative person like internal. I think so. I think that you could almost say as a as a student athlete, you have your 5:30 a.m. workouts or your really hard lifting sessions and you know, it's painful. You don't want to get up. And I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but I knew that in order to grow and to improve, you had to get through the tough times and you had to, to push yourself. And I think that that translates over into design too. You can't get comfortable. You have to keep trying new things, um, and continuing to grow because, the world is always changing, and if you don't adapt to it or you don't continue to grow, then you're going to get left behind. So I think that it's huge to to keep learning and pushing yourself. I definitely agree. I think it's very important to can and and vital to continue growing in our careers, um, pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone. It's easy to get complacent in this world, and honestly, complacency is a very dangerous place to be. Right um, in any aspect of business or or anything i mean let's just take for example ronda rousey right like she's at the top of her game but it it would be it would be the easy thing to do is to get complacent i'm the best right i don't have to train as hard nobody can beat me then all of a sudden somebody comes out of nowhere right venus or or, uh, serena williams recently right i mean she's at the top of her game and then look what happens she gets beat in the was that the u.s open i can't even remember what that was um so in saying that what types of projects and, and what type of work are you working on here, able to create here at Mississippi State that allows you to push your own personal boundaries as a designer? I think for one, the, the Dak Prescott illustration was a tough one, only because it just required a lot of patience. Uh, but I, I really enjoy collaborating with our video department. They do such a tremendous job. Um, and I know I dabble in After Effects and I do some things, but I would really love to learn more about animation. And, you know, everything's video now. And you look on Twitter and there's GIF, like GIF animations and video animations. And, you know, that's kind of a role I'd like to expand my skill set in um, and something I'm interested into investigating more and implementing, you know, solid print design and putting it into into video. So you and Rhett Hobart, your assistant director of marketing, took me on a facility store yesterday and I got the opportunity, maybe some of you listeners watched it via Periscope. If not, definitely check it out. Hopefully it's still up. It's the first time I've ever Periscoped anything, so hopefully yeah. oh, it hasn't been 24 hours. 
It does end. I don't know. Well, by the time this comes out, it's going to be long gone. <laughs> Um, first of all, I, the facilities were great. And I think even just conceptually, some of the things that were implemented in places were, were great. I loved all the stories that Rhett was able to share about the history of the school, not just from an athletics perspective, but from a historical perspective, institutionally, um, ha- being a lifetime Starkville resident. One thing I noticed specifically in regards to athletics facilities was there seemed to be a cohesion about everything. The architecture, the exteriors of buildings, the maroon everywhere, the cowbells. I even, we even saw a cowbell pattern, which was really cool on a wall. And, and that's something from a branding perspective that I could see totally scaling out into multiple things. Um, the typography, Talk a little bit about that and the importance of it to your staff. It seems there's a strong focus to push that consistency, and there's a great respect and knowledge about branding, specifically at the athletic director level, which is not typically true in college athletics. Yeah, our our staff is is really big on making sure that you know, no matter what building you're in, you're going to almost get a unique experience maybe related to that sport but it's going to branch out in in the in the total brand with with the logo usage and our proprietary font i mean you go into the the football building and there's two giant images of of football players with their jersey numbers and it's the first year of football it's not just random jersey numbers that were placed up there um the the hints of maroon the small details you talked about the cowbell um, the pattern on the wall. It's, we, you know, your, your halftime episode, you talk about brand. It's not just a logo system. We're implementing a lot of our traditions visually on the wall. Um, and you, you see that scattered throughout campus. And, you know, uh, Scott Strickland and Scott Weatherby have been a huge uh, component of that, making sure that we're going around updating old logos, making sure that we're putting touches of maroon where it's going to be most visible when you enter a stadium, just being very cognizant of what's going to be seen most by our fans and how are they going to, to, to view that. And it's actually a lot of fun because, you, you know, we go around with Rhett and he's pointing out things that the casual observer may not know, but when you learn more about the history and the meaning behind it, it tells a story. Well, I think from an experience perspective, if we think about brand experiences, one thing, an example of this would would be walking into, say, a Best Buy to buy an, an Apple MacBook as opposed to walking into an Apple store to buy a MacBook. There's a difference in that experience, right? Apple really focuses on this overall experience. And, and I think you guys actually have some of that too with... Um, the uh, sort of club, I can't, I, I don't remember what you guys called it, but the club level thing in the end zone under the field where the end zone kind of came back into the room. Yeah, the gridiron club. And, and even, even just providing the experience of before you walk in, it's deliberately left unfinished to make you feel like that you're, it's like this private access, like you're, you're sort of like under the stadium, you know, like this is yeah, like a secret entrance. So those types of things are, are really cool. Can you, and I think it's clear, it's very clear that you, your athletic department understands these things, very simple things like that and providing an experience. Can you, and even, even the plays on the, 
the columns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the play that you won the Egg Bowl with, uh, with Dak Prescott, and then another one is the uh, is the actual play that. Mississippi State beat Bear, Bear Bryant on at one point in history. And that's something that's so, um, you have to have a really deep knowledge of, it's not just the a random football player. You have to have a really neat, deep knowledge of the game and of the sport. Can you talk about branding in, in regards to how you guys are working to stand out for maybe recruits and then also developing brand recognition amongst like casual fans. And then just to kind of rally the, the hardcore Bulldogs faithful, like the difference between sort of all those, like what are you guys doing? Maybe some examples of, of, of those types of things. Well, obviously here on campus, we're, we're making an effort to make sure our facilities are staying true to our brand and telling our story. And then beyond that, we're trying to be innovative and creative because, you know, if people may not be aware of our brand, say, I don't know, on the West Coast somewhere, um, we try to be the first to do stuff to gain national attention and maybe kind of pique interest from those people. And one example of that, uh, back in July, our athletic director um, was talking about Emoji Keyboard And so we partnered with a company called Snaps, and we developed a keyboard app for our fans, and it actually was very well recepted. Uh, The first day alone, we had an engagement rate of 87%, and we had 15,000 new users users in the first day alone. And so that's that's pretty cool to see how some idea we had when it came to fruition, that it was so well embraced by our fan base, not only locally, but, you know, nationally. Um, And then you go back and you look at, you know, years ago where our, we put a hashtag in the end zone and just doing unique, innovative things and trying to be the first to do them just to kind of generate attention to our athletic department. Uh, I think that that's helpful for us to kind of gain attention from those people that may not be so much aware of of Mississippi State um, and people that may not be familiar with with our traditions and with our with our department. I um I remember the hashtag thing and and I remember that getting a lot of media play. It was the first time that was ever done at a school putting a hashtag in the end zone. And I think I mean if I feel like that might have even did it get on it got on Mashable I think uh, which is a major major social media blog, um, but. Didn't so what happened? There's kind of a story behind it, right? Like you guys, uh, the NCAA came in and sort of shut it down, and then you guys trademarked Hell State. Can you talk about that? Well, they, I wasn't here. This was years ago, um, but we trademarked the hashtag, which is kind of how we were able to use it. But then the NCAA decided that you know that may open up avenues for for things that they wouldn't necessarily want to put on a football field. So it was a brief brief moment that it was there, but it was just kind of cool to be the first to do that and to be innovative in a unique way. And I think that that still holds true now where our staff is always looking for ways to be the first to do things. And it's a lot of fun. It it makes a really creative environment. We are always talking about ideas, some good, some bad. And it just makes for a really cool atmosphere to work here, which I'm sure you, you got a little taste of it yesterday with, you know, we do have our individual offices, but it, it does it does offer opportunity for collaboration because we're always just like, hey, get you know, yelling down the hall, hey, Red, or 
hey, Leah or somebody and just talking about ideas. And this department really fosters that attitude of collaboration and creativity and just trying to be innovative. I can definitely vouch that it 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 seems like a very fun place to work. The the culture, everybody. Well, first of all, everybody's been extremely kind and welcoming to me. But but just the way everybody was running around and sort of goofing off, and the way we were kind of doing our, doing our podcast yesterday, <laughs> and we have to do like a take two. But um, so one thing that you guys do have, and and I know that Joe Bosack episode two from Joe Bosack and Company, uh, who's a, a great friend of mine, he did your visual identity, your athletics visual identity. And and part of that identity is a propri- the proprietary font, the Mississippi State font. In doing something like that, it can be easy, I think, in my opinion, to sort of overdo it. And and it's very easy to sort of dilute the visual identity when you when you tend to overuse the font that is your logo, right? Because then what happens is that it makes your logo maybe not necessarily be as unique. Um, with all the brand pushing that you guys are doing, especially like revamping things, new logos on everything, renovation as far as facilities, environmental graphics, how do you keep the brand from becoming diluted with the visual identity and, and keep it from kind of getting lost in a sea of sameness? Maybe that's pairing different fonts, colors, or that type of thing. Well, when you walk around campus, you're going to see our logos and our brand in various places, but it's not overdone. There's a nice balance of staying true to the architecture of the building um, and strategic placement of where we're putting things. You know, We're not just going to put a logo on a wall just to put it there. We want to make sure that it's placed in an area that's going to be visible to the fans, so maybe near an entrance or the student section. Um, and then, you know, not overdoing, like you talk about the proprietary font, not using it for every single thing, but mainly as, you know, as a title font and smaller details. So like the women's restroom, it would say women in the bulldog font or a concession stand, but it's just not overusing, not overusing it and not abusing it. So it's a, it's a nice balance that we've, we've tried to establish. So I think speaking of, of establishing and, and sort of retaining a balance, uh, color usage, but yet you guys are shaking things up, but you're still sort of trying to retain brand equity by not overdoing it. I think it'd probably be a good time now to let your senior associate athletic director of external affairs, Scott Weatherby, interject uh, at this point in the interview. I had the opportunity yesterday to talk to him about the the athletic department's relationship with Adidas and the way that you guys reveal uniforms and the importance of pushing content. So I'll take this opportunity right now for the listeners to play a a clip of that interview and let you guys kind of get some inside scenes on that. Uh, So I'm Scott Weatherby, Senior Associate Athletic Director for um, External Affairs. So I oversee our media relations, marketing, uh, video operations, and then handle uh, licensing and sponsorships and and then our brand and stuff as well. Okay. Cool. Um, Can you kind of touch on... Uh, you guys are really probably one of the premier schools for Adidas, especially like in baseball um, and then also in football. And uh, I'm just curious, I think a lot of people get 
designers and creative people are kind of curious, like the brands are heavily involved in college sports nowadays. What's sort of the relationship between like a school of your level with a close relationship with the brand? Like how's, as far as like approvals of creative, how involved are you? Um, you know, how involved are they? Are they pitching you things? Are you deeply involved? That type of thing. Yeah. So we, we have a, it's kind of a different setup depending on the sports, um, with football, both your basketballs, um, baseball, softball, we have a lot of say in kind of what our look is. I mean, we, we want to be very clean um, and consistent with maroon and white, but um, it's usually a full year out. I'm actually looking at 2017 football uniforms right now, so we're actually almost two years away um, and trying to plan out so they can get you know samples to us and, and whatnot. And what usually happens is Adidas may come to us with ideas saying, hey, this is kind of our theme throughout the brand that they want to try to push out you know, for sales and whatnot. Uh, but then um, they also might try to tell a story specific to us. And, you know, okay, so this will be kind of your area that we're going to try to cover. This is how we're going to uh, market it on social media. This is how um, Adidas is going to back Mississippi State. And then there are other times where we'll come to them and say, hey, we have this idea put it into a uniform for us, or this is the story that we're trying to tell. And, you know, whether it's a military appreciation day or we have a blackout coming. And so we knew that what we were going to do for this weekend, we knew a whole year ago. And so I already know next year's themes and stuff. And I'm looking at 2017. So so you knew the specific date and everything. You were going to do that for the Kentucky game. Correct. Okay. Yeah, correct. So we, we've already, I already know next year's football schedule i know the dates and we're already mapping out what uniforms we'll wear for each one and uh and that's kind of new to me being at a smaller school before i got here we didn't have as much say we just had you know two or three things and we you know match them up and do what we want here they customize we are one of their bigger schools and so they work with us on um you know design and so i'll i'll go through and literally sit down with them and i'm looking at we're finishing up 2016 uniforms right now and looking at 2017 and it's a process it's no we we don't like these lines or we yes we want these stripes or no we don't and what colors to put on and making sure that our logos are right and um, whether they're reversed or yes we will use that bulldog or no we won't and then what is the story we're telling why are we doing it most of it right now is just hey we're going to try to be clean we're going to be very simple uh, not get too crazy Um, and that's kind of been our approach to it are there uh, i sort of have this mentality where you sort of have like in an athletic program you have the umbrella brand, which is the program as a whole. And then you kind of have like these individual brands within it. And, and even those, you know, if you think about just like the personality of like a team, are there sports that say get a little more leeway in terms of like the sort of like quote unquote swag factor or whatever that you're going to allow Adidas to do? Yeah. So coach Mullen likes to have the swag factor. You know, he likes to wear, um, kind of little off the wall shoes and, and it's good for them. I mean, he, he'll go on sports center or sec media days and, you know, wearing Yeezys and make getting a big deal. And, and, uh, you know, so that, that goes well and that's great for recruiting. The guys love to see it and he's out and, you know, the, you know, recruits are asking him about it. So, you know, we try to do some things, but we also know that we've got a lot of fans that have a lot of interest. They like the cool stuff, but there's there's definitely a gap between an older crowd and a younger crowd and what they like and don't like. And as I get older, I get a little more conservative myself. Uh, <clears throat> but 
baseball is one that we get, um, you know, they came in and did 13 new uniforms last year, and we had like 19 different uh, mix and match of different uniforms, and we'll kind of continue that. You know, we're they're basically their main baseball school, and so they have a little bit more um, – you know, actually 18 people came here in the spring. They sit down and work with you and try to map out. And so we game plan with them as well. And um, so it just kind of depends. And each coach is different. You know, Coach Holland will be a little different than Coach Ray was. And Coach Schaefer loves to, you know, do whatever he can for recruiting for the girls. So, um, yeah, it just depends on the coach. I don't get as involved, you know, once, you know, I kind of let our volleyball coach do what he wants and our soccer coach. And they just kind of make it, they just filter through me whether the marks are right and we're not getting too crazy or I have this wild idea. Right. So you're kind of enforcing brand standards and right. letting them push the envelope just a little bit. Yeah, that's right. In your uh, career, as far as like in the athletic business, I think you know, within the last, like when have uniforms gotten so big? You know, like when, is there like a, a tipping point? Because you know, I, I toured your 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 baseball facilities and saw your recruiting room and obviously you have like your uniforms on display same thing in the football facilities like when when in your career can you is there something you can kind of point to it's like wow this is like happening yeah i think um i think oregon really kind of tipped the scale it was probably it's i don't know six seven years ago and and then when you know, Nike or Adidas or even Under Armour now, when when they f- started looking at that and the impact it was having on, you recognize in Oregon all the time, oh, they're the ones with the crazy uniforms or they have feathers on their shoulders or whatever it is. Once that kind of started happening, everybody else said, hey, we, we need to do something to kind of stand out. And then now all of a sudden, and that's where even blackouts, I mean, those have been going on for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years now, and, and people are doing those more and more. And now everybody's trying to get creative on what's the next cool thing or um, how can we stand out a little bit more. And mostly we do that, not necessarily for the fans, but for recruits to let Dan or Ben or anybody go and kind of promote that, hey, you know, look what we're doing. This is what we're wearing. And and they'll be like, I want to run out on the field wearing that. So, um, but I think it's been, you know, seven, eight years, it seems like, is kind of when that tipped. And I think a lot of people are trying to get back to, you know, you're starting to see Penn State go back to what they used to wear and trying to be clean. We've said that. Michigan's starting to do that. So you're starting to notice a trend almost back to conservative again. And then it'll, but it'll be cyclical. It'll go through in, in waves. And uh, right now we've kind of taken the stance where we're going to try to go. We had this 100th anniversary jersey last year that everybody loved. And so we basically mimicked that across, you know, away and home and, and redid that. And we're going to kind of stay with that for now. Can you talk a little bit about your, you know, you guys have the the identity system for like the athletic department, but then like baseball and it's kind of like a, it seems like it's a, it, it's in other schools in uh, sports too where baseball kind of has their own things. But there was, I thought there was an interesting thing where like the freshmen can't have the, uh, the logo yet. They have to earn it. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit, the baseball logo? It's the only one that we allow, um, a non-university mark. The M over S is really just specific to baseball. And it means a lot because, you know, it's 
it's over 40 years. I mean, it's a long, it goes a long ways back. And there's so much tradition around it that even if we try to take that away, I mean, it's so distinguishable for just baseball. And, but you have to earn it. And I think coach um, is the one that, you know, puts that on that freshman. You can't just wear it. You got to earn it. And um, because it means a lot to have that on. And and you can walk around and, you know, they've tried to use it on ESPN during football and stuff. We've asked them not to do that. It is a baseball only mark. And so those are the things I'm looking for. I mean, we've even had assistant coaches and football and stuff want to wear it on the sidelines. And, like, that's that's a baseball mark. We use the university marks and the rest of our athletic marks on the field, but baseball only has that one. So it's very specific to that, and I think there's actually a lot of emotion attached to it. I mean, we've had a lot of success, nine college World Series, and, you know, the 85 team with Will and Raphael, and, you know, they did a thunder and lightning 30 for 30. It's a big deal. Everybody knows about that, and I think we would be remiss if we pulled that one away. (laughs) So I'm certainly not going to do that. How much uh, this is? I think we got some good stuff, so I'll make this the last one. I know you got your time's valuable. How much would you say that sort of this hungry for content era plays into the way that you guys go about doing things in terms of like unveiling uniforms and obviously bringing on Ashley? I'm, I understand this is a fairly new position for the university, right? Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Like people hungry for content, and now you have to kind of feed the beast, so to speak. Yeah, and you know we try to take um, the approach to that. We want to be out front of everybody. We we want to be the cutting edge and the graphic design, the infographics. We were one of the first to really uh, put out infographics a couple years ago, and. I mean, even those actually are getting old now, and now people are steering away from those. So it's what's the next trend, and and so we're trying to, you know, we we added Ashley in January, February this year, uh, knowing that we had to do so much with videos and graphics for social media and just staying ahead of things. That's what people want. And just, you're right. It is a beast because people are, they're always like, what are you wearing? So we put out the Jersey today and everywhere. Well, what shoes are you wearing? What pants are you wearing? What helmet are you wearing? They just need to know, need to know, need to know. What's the undershirt? It's like, yeah. Just relax, you know, it's a, we're going to come on it. And a lot of people, you know, some people like to feed it and go ahead and get it out in front. And we used to, and we've decided, you know what, Sometimes it steers the wrong conversation. Then everybody's focused on a uniform as opposed to the game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we kind of teased out what we're wearing on Saturday, but it's more about, hey, we want people to come to the game and help us support the team. It's not about what they're wearing, even though we want you to buy the jerseys and and buy the gear. Um, So, but it is, everybody wants stats, more and more stats, more and more. So we are trying to, you know, we're scheduling tweets, we're scheduling Facebooks, we're trying to um, feed them everything again. But you're right, everybody wants things now. And if we almost don't put it out, somebody else already finds a way and, and puts it out because, they have inside sources or whatever, and it, it always you always run into that. And so sometimes we can, you know, help feed it, or other times we'll just say, hey, we're going to do this consistently and and uh, just kind of, you know, relax a little bit on it. Is it is it like a case by case basis usually? Because I know that um, by the time this comes out, it's post the game you guys have, will have worn the blackout uniforms and uh, it's my understanding that it was going to be a secret and then I guess you guys just made the call to now just like let that go so where does that kind of thinking come from is it just a spur of the moment or, or how does that work yeah so you know in this situation you know Scott our athletic director said you know it, 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 it can't hurt anything to go ahead and roll it out um, early and part of it too is people are planning um, what am I going to wear 
we have black jerseys in retail right now and they'd like to sell those too. And so a lot of people are like, well, I want to go buy what they're wearing on the field. And so that helps that too. So it stimulates that to, Hey, I'm going to wear a black Jersey if the team's wearing a black Jersey. Um, so hopefully that helps local retail. They'd rather not do that as opposed to us just coming out and surprising everybody. And then while the game's over, I'm not going to buy it. Um, so, uh, you know, that's part of the thought process and, you know, Typically, we'll just, in, in years past, usually Thursdays, we would just say, hey, this is what we're wearing. This is what we're going to do. Um, this year, we just said, hey, we're just going to roll out with whatever. And then Scott kind of said, hey, let's go ahead and help out retail a little bit because this is a kind of a one-time thing. Um, and then just build a little bit of excitement about, hey, we're asking you to wear black. The team's wearing black. You know, come to the blackout. So uh, we're back with Ashley Strauss. It's game day. Uh, she's the director of creative services at Mississippi State Athletics, for those of you that don't know. You just heard from Senior Associate AD of External Affairs, Scott Weatherby, as he gave some great insights into the process in regards to approvals, collaborations, and that type of thing when it comes to working with outside apparel brands such as Adidas. And uh, he also talked about bringing Ashley on and, and hiring her as this new position. Ashley, one of the great things about working in sports, and I think especially in college sports where tradition and memories are such a focus, is our work can leave lasting impressions for students, alumni, and players and sort of stamp a visual style on an era, if you will. Leaving that type of legacy is, in my opinion, something very special. And not many fields of work have that opportunity. I know that you've only been here nearly a year, but both of us know that the world of college athletics marketing moves very fast, especially with social media and the way that technology changes. If you can point to something as far as visually, what would you say you brought to Mississippi State when it comes to maybe stamping your style, your your professional opinion, expertise on something? And more specifically, what is the legacy that you hope to leave here? Oh, I think I can expand it into both function and, and visual. I mean, functionally, just being able to come in and create a consistent visual system where I can hand over assets to other people within the department and they're able to update graphics and, and post those on social media and still have that same uh, visual system, whether I created it or they updated a template, is kind of helpful in, in the function of the department and makes things a lot smoother in terms of you know last-minute requests and, and things that they may need while they're on the road. And then visually, you know, it being a new position, I hope that I came in and made a, an impact in, in that change of building something that is recognizable to our brand where if someone sees it and knows that, hey, that's uh, work from Mississippi State, I think that that would be really huge. Um, so I think just the consistency and the effort put into that and the end result has been really cool to see that process. And I hope that that people we'll look back and and see how that how that changed with having a full-time a full-time full designer come in and, and create that very cool so the world of sports can be quite cheesy and and it's kind of an unfortunate thing we see so many cheesy quotes or we see just like random fire lightning and just like these just sort of just like off the wall 
pointless visual elements in my opinion. This is totally subjective, but I think a lot of this stuff is just like, let's just blow, let's just make some crazy things just for the sake of making crazy things. And then conceptually, it doesn't make any sense, right? The quote doesn't make sense in terms of putting fire on something, right? Uh, and, and many in this world tend to rip off others. You'll see something happen this year that some school does. Next year, every school will do it. Um, every just random freelance designer will start making the same exact things. And that, that's not just in creative in the creative world. I mean, we see coaches a lot of times rip off phrases from other schools or other coaches. I mean, I can't, how many times has the word rise up been used? You know, like that's been the Falcons thing for who knows how long. And it's like, we see that a lot in, in different places, but you know, it's almost, it's almost that this industry seems to have no problem stealing marketing campaigns and slogans and other visuals from other schools. And there also are a lot of Twitter accounts that are just kind of reposting work in the sports niche. And so it's, it's easy to see this stuff over and over and over as far as inspiration in sports alone. But I think to be truly different, you have to, I fundamentally, I fundamentally believe you have to look completely outside of sports for inspiration. If you want to do something that hasn't been done before. Uh, if you remember from my inspiration halftime episode, I don't know if you listened to that one or not, but I discussed Google Maps, and Google Maps was actually inspired by the veins in a leaf. Or, you know, and occasionally sometimes we can subconsciously be inspired when we view so much work. And I think all of us have made something before, and then in our heads we're like, this looks familiar to me. Where have I seen this before? And that's sort of like that whole innocent subconscious inspiration. I'm curious, where do you find inspiration and how do you sort of avoid following the trends that kind of flood the sports industry? Well, I mean, you do, you do look to your peers at times and you do see what everyone else is doing, but, uh, I like to look a lot in television and, you know, for example, like AMC and, you know, the opening credits for Mad Men was totally different than what a lot of shows were doing. Uh, the Walking Dead has a lot of great visual effects. So I look a lot in video and in film. And then also photography. I mean, if you understand photography, and I think a good example of this is Matt Lang, who's at Alabama, and he has a photography background. But you can see that in his work where he has an understanding of, of lighting and you know, subtle, like the lens blur in the background and what's in focus. I think that that's really apparent. And so I like to study photography and try to learn how to push that almost sense of reality when you're compositing something together. So, uh, you know, I look at like movie posters because there's so much uh, variety in terms of, of what the film is about. And, you know, you get you get some niches like, you know, action films kind of have a similar look, but there's so many different areas within film. I think I look a lot to that and, and how to kind of emulate some of the things I see and, and use that as, as inspiration. Or even like you see now where even music is having a role in, in what even like recruiting materials are using. Like, uh, you know, if there's a popular song out, how does that inspire something that someone may create? It's just... Expanding, expanding uh, beyond uh, the sports design world, and just looking at other landscapes and trying to to learn new techniques through those areas. Yeah, I think for me, I tend to 
there's a couple companies that I really love. One is Eleventy out of San Fran- or uh, Sacramento, I believe. Uh, they do really good compositing work. Do a lot of key art for video games and things like that. I think they did Assassin's Creed. Uh, they do like Sacramento Kings uh, work. And they recently did some Sports Illustrated covers, so they're really good about that stuff. And then also, probably the best of, of the absolute best in this world is a guy named Peter Jaworski, I think is how you say his last name. It's a, a Polish last name, so I'm probably butchering it, but he's the hedge. So it's uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's H-E-J-Z. That's sort of his nickname. And he he's a founder of an agency called Arsthania, and they do really amazing uh, sort of surreal work in terms of compositing and yeah so you have it up right now we're kind of looking at his work but i think in terms of lighting and then that's something that i try to do if, if you look at my moorhead state posters like a lot of times if you're looking at the way that a player is lit in terms of so for me like i'll go in and i'll say i want to light the edges of the player to the photographer so i want a high contrast to look i want to light the edges of the player so that if i want to put light coming in from like like it's pretending like it's coming in behind him like on one of my recent posters um, you can do that and it looks absolutely believable. Do you have a lot of say like that when you kind of come in and art direct photography? Do you kind of really position things where you want or do you just kind of let the photographer work with it or do you guys, you guys kind of work together? How do you approach that type of thing? So when we do photo shoots, I do have the opportunity to uh, speak with the, our photographer and explain what we're looking for and kind of the emotion we're looking for. Um, and, you know, when we explain we want like a high contrast with uh, kind of side lighting, so we get the glow around the edges of the players. Um, and then they go on and set up set up the studio. They take a few test shots. I'll look at it. It always looks great. So I'm like, okay, looks good. Explain a couple of the poses we need and, and kind of go on from there. So it's minimal effort on my part at a photo shoot. Like She just does a great job and uh, makes makes my life a lot easier. So... Um, it's actually a lot of fun too, cause you get to know the, the student athletes and kind of see the personalities, but, uh, do, do you know ahead of time what poses you want to use? Like sort of planning out or you just kind of like get a bunch of different poses just like, cause I know when I go in, I'll, a lot of times I'll tell players, especially, I mean, in football, it's different, but like in basketball, I'll say, remember when you were a kid like at your mom's house just on the sidewalk dribbling around and there was nobody there's no cameras there's no anything and you're just sort of like you're at play that's sort of like I try to get them in a mindset or something when I talk to the players do you do any of that oh we try I mean some of them are more shy than others but it's a lot of fun when you get somebody who's just just having a ton of fun with it Uh, we try to bring examples of other work and say like, Hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish, you know, get pumped up, you know, pump up the crowd. We'll have them like throw their arms up and, you know, sometimes we'll have them do push-ups and like spray fake sweat on them and, <laughs> and just try to make them look like they're just, you know, out there having fun. And, uh, in terms of planning poses, we try to have a, a an idea of what we're doing, but most of the times we're just like, just start, you know, just start taking photos and we'll see, kind of see what happens with their personality coming out through the photos. So it's, it's fun. Cool. Well, I know it's game day and, uh, we're here in your office again in, in, on campus in Starkville, Mississippi. People are tailgating. You can feel the energy, just like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, there's something about college game days and on, on college campuses. 
for many listeners that don't work directly in-house for college athletic departments or maybe for those that do work in college athletics but are maybe on the marketing side and thinking about adding one of these new creative director positions at, at their university, how would you kind of give us a rundown of what your typical game day would look like? Like, what are you going to do when we leave here? Maybe before the game, during the game, and after the game when it comes to work. Well, before the game, I'm probably going to finish up other other projects I have going on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, during the game, I'll go up in the press box. And it's a lot of planning beforehand. So we'll make sure that we have our graphics for media advance, morning of, um, talking with the respective SID, whoever, whichever sport you're working, and making sure that um, you're aware of any potential things that may come up that you want to promote on social media. So if somebody's about to break a, you know, a career passing yards record or somebody's about to score their thousandth point, just being aware of that so you can prepare for when that does occur in the game. And then essentially just making sure that you're in the press box so when that does happen, you can update the graphic, push that out to the media relations team and then they can promote the content online and then also you know for the things that you may not expect what if someone break you know passes for 600 yards or scores you know 60 points in a game you don't know if that's going to happen and say that's a a school record you're there and you're able to put something together and, and help promote that accomplishment so it's it's mainly uh a precaution like i don't say precautionary but you're there just in case very cool. Well, Ashley, I know that uh, you have some some things that you got to get taken care of, and and we've got to get out there and get tailgating, <laughs> me and my wife. So, where can listeners support your work and follow you online and that type of thing? Uh, people can follow my work. I post a little bit of it on my Twitter account. It's at Ashley Strauss, A S H L E Y S T R A U S S. Very cool. Well, Ashley, I really appreciate your time. And you and the marketing staff here at Mississippi State have truly went out of your way to bring myself and my wife down here to Starkville. It's, it's been a truly a unique experience for both of us, and I hope that it's a, a unique experience for listeners of the show. As mentioned, the food here is great. The facilities are awesome, and, and people here have been nothing but kind and welcoming. It's really unbelievable. My wife and I were actually talking about that last night. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come aboard the show and also want to extend a big thanks to your colleagues and and superiors, Scott Weatherby, Leah Beasley, and Rhett Hobart for their time and hospitality. So big thanks to you for coming aboard. I really appreciate it. We're glad to have you. I hope you have fun at the game. Just might want to bring your earplugs because those cowbells are loud. Yeah, so I've heard. Uh, I do want to say I've become very fond of the folks here at Mississippi State, but you know I can't change the color of the blood I was blessed with at birth, so I've got to say it, go Big Blue. Oh, hell state to that. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. My next guest is going to be Surf Melendez. Surf is the creative director of the Miami Dolphins. Surf actually has an extensive career in the advertising industry and then also worked at Adidas before becoming the director of creative services at the Dolphins. If you've happened to look at the work that the Miami Dolphins are doing, it's definitely different than most of the sports-related work that we tend to see. They're really trying to break the mold and approach uh, the Dolphins as a more of a brand, a consumer brand, as opposed to just a sports brand. So they really do some beautiful work down there. We'll have Surf on on the next episode, and he'll give us some insight into their processes. In the meantime, you can follow Surf Melendez at Surf M on Twitter. 
Big thanks again to Ashley Strauss for coming aboard the podcast. Uh, she's a super hard worker. I got a chance to sit with her in the press box for a little bit while she was creating some graphics for just live information, infographics while the game was going on and really had a good time down there in Mississippi. Again, be sure to follow her on Twitter, as she mentioned, at Ashley Strauss, S-T-R-A-U-S-S. And if you want to keep up with her work, then please follow at HellStateFB for their football recruiting and marketing part uh, as it regards to that sport. I also want to extend a sincere and heartfelt thank you to the folks at the Mississippi State Athletic Department for accommodating myself and my wife for our first trip to Starkville. Southern hospitality definitely still rings true in the state of Mississippi. I hope to be back again uh, as the Kentucky Wildcats tend to frequent Starkville for our friendly cross-division rivalry with the Bulldogs. But I definitely want to say a specific thank you to Rhett Hobart, the assistant director of marketing, for his time in hospitality and taking myself around campus. Also want to say thanks to Leah Beasley, who's the athletic director for marketing. And then also Scott Weatherby, who is was on this interview and gave us a little bit of, of information as far as the, uh, the branding side goes and working with outside vendors like Adidas and, and Uniform. Scott is the senior associate athletic director for external affairs. Big thanks again to all those folks. Uh, definitely want to stay in touch. And I'll list their Twitter accounts in the show notes. So if you guys happen to want to follow them, please be sure to do that. Uh, again, I've become very fond of the folks of Mississippi State, but uh, I can't change my, the color of my blood. It was, a, it was a brutal loss, but the experience was definitely great. And seeing Dak Prescott in person was, was definitely awesome. Be sure to head over to makersofsport.com slash episodes to hear more episodes, interviews, halftime episodes. You may actually notice that I didn't have a halftime episode last week. And part of that was because of my trip to Mississippi and really just not finding the time to put together a show outline. I plan to pick those back up next week. In the meantime, please head over to the website, makersofsport.com slash episodes and listen to those. That's where I discuss entrepreneurship, freelancing, marketing, business, and, and just any type of thing that involves a career in the creative side of the sports industry. My favorite one is the one that I did recently about branding, basically talking about what it is and what it isn't. And there's a lot of ignorance in terms of using the word branding. And so definitely uh, touching on that and trying to educate in that world. Also, please don't forget about Weekend Reads, a weekly newsletter where I write exclusive content and share the things that I'm reading, the things that I find interesting, or links that inspire me for the week. In addition on that list, you will be notified in advance of upcoming guests. Get the podcast show notes delivered to your inbox if you don't happen to listen on, a, on any kind of podcast app that shows those notes. I know SoundCloud kind of makes the links look really weird. Uh, but anyhow, please go support the show by signing up at makersofsport.com slash email. Lastly, as always, please take one to two minutes and head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. Hit the five star or hit the four star, anything, and just write a review about your experience with the show. If you do hit something less than the five star, I would greatly appreciate something written just so that I know what I can work on and, and make better because uh, I definitely want this to be the best that it can possibly be. Please share the podcast, rate the content so that others can discover this podcast. Uh, it really helps when you share this show. 
As always, I'll accept any ratings or likes on Stitcher SoundCloud or whichever application you happen to be listening to. Again, I don't sell ads on the show. There are no sponsorships. This is completely free content, and it's a lot of hard work to do that. So leaving reviews and rating the show lets myself, uh, it's, it's a bit of a payoff for both myself and then also for the guests. You can actually leave reviews or rate a particular show. It's Saturday for me as I'm recording this post, uh, post after the interview with Ashley and, and company down in Mississippi. Uh, it's my son's sixth birthday. It's Halloween. So I want to wish everybody a safe and happy Halloween and hope your, your college football team wins today. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.